You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello and welcome to the Retro Detroit Nerdfighters. My name is Ian the Well-Informed. I'm here with Kathy the CSA, Mary, uh, Mary the Wonder Person, and Bridget the Enabler. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not good at uh, intros. So, um, this podcast is brought to you by Falling Down Beer. Nuri, um, do you like uh, stand-up comedy? Eh, sometimes I find it can get kind of, I don't know, what people think is funny. Uh, sometimes. Let's, let's answer sometimes. I like stand-up comedy. Okay. So with falling down, that wouldn't help your POV with their IPAs, pale ales, and lagers. Please come to falling down to... Have their ninja chicken stay for the Ruben Agrils. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually probably my favorite beer in the Metro Detroit area. It is. Yes. That and uh, Batch Brewery. And Batch. And yep, batch. absolutely. Yes. So um, we wanted to talk today about um, a few things about um, YouTube Kids, um, how it's kind of a little bit of a subset of. YouTube as a whole, but how they're doing an incredibly good job at keeping it um, kid-friendly by um, 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 having um, videos of Elsa going in um, certain positions and uh, the like. Um Kathy. Who's, who's Elsa? Let's start Elsa there. from Frozen. Okay. <laughs> Which is a, a kid's figure that like a lot of a lot of girls probably between, you know, four and twelve are probably really aware of who Elsa is, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my four year old knew uh, her for the last two years. I've kind of never watched it, so I've You've never seen Frozen. Default, I've defaulted to letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. So I've seen I've seen I'm the movie probably a hundred times and um at the end, the sister punches a guy in the face, and my husband and I don't like that in a Disney movie because it encourages violence regardless. Um, it's never acceptable. But at the same time, like when you were telling me about the YouTube kids and what was going on with that, I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> another station my children will not be watching, unfortunately. Yeah. So one of the... <sighs> One of the bigger problems with like YouTube and YouTube Kids and a lot of these apps is that um, they've um, there isn't a whole lot of control within them. They're um, they're run by bots and the algorithm, and so you'll find a lot of things that um, get maybe tens of millions, hundreds of millions of views that shouldn't be on the app or the site, but will happen anyway because people have gotten good at cheating the system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more a matter of, um, it's in its infant stages. It's a joke on YouTube kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was uh, doing some, I started reading about this. Uh, it was in the news as early as March of this year. And basically there are stations of, 
where they've taken kids' videos and recut them or reanimated them in ways that would look like they're a kid's video, but they're extremely inappropriate for children to watch her and, and I'd say even disgusting for anybody to watch. I, I've seen one that kind of plays on a um, – Like uh, X-rated? Like the, the themes are definitely mature and, and not something your kids should be watching. But if you're a parent and you overwatch your child seeing an Elsa video, you obviously don't think it's a bad thing, right? Because Elsa's wholesome and Disney and these characters, right? But mm-hmm. they're really not wholesome themed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonderful. And the kids um, don't know any better because you look at you look at YouTube kids and you assume that it's safe, kids, right? Yeah, it's safe. It's safe. But it's more of like uh, the bottom is falling out and they really don't have a good solution toward it because like YouTube, there's 400 hours of video put up every second. Every second. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> So I, I wondered about this, like, you know, these, these terrible videos are out there and I think it's starting to get law enforcement uh, attention, right? People are starting to look at what's going on with it and like trying to find the content creators. I read an article saying that YouTube may be working with law enforcement to help identify some of these people who are making these videos. But what, what can you do as a company like Google, for instance, right? What do they do to help protect kids like that i mean how, how do you stop 400 hours of video being uploaded every second that may be inappropriate for children to watch um one thing to do is having the having a company that's on the site flag people's videos that's there's there is no way on god's green earth that um all the people combined on <laughs> in the world couldn't um, uh, put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It's <laughs> um, it's a matter of just damage control. I, um, for instance, I um, I have a master's in cybersecurity. One of my goals, like within the next five years, is to become an expert witness or learn about patent law, so that hmm. I can spend maybe five, ten hours a week working on taking these um, um, taking these videos that are um, like fair use and that are undermining fair use to be taken to court and also def- like be a plaintiff or be a, a defendant for that because there's there is so much to um, um, just so much demand for it because there's so much supply. <laughs> so what do you think? Like, I mean, if YouTube can't do anything about it, uh, what's, what's a good thing for a parent to do? If, if I'm worried about this, I mean, I'm not a parent. I have no children. I am. Um, so uh, what do you do as a parent to like, make sure your kids are safe on the internet? We sit together and do it. And the only time I allow my children on an iPad or my computer is when I have chosen the station. And what I end up choosing 99 times is a baking, like how to make a cake. Hmm. And you know the ones that have like the Japanese house music in the background. (laughs) And my kids love it. And it's all these, you know, Pokemon, just very talented cake decorators. 
where I'll show them like how to landscape, you know, just creative things to get the juices flowing in their brain and they still learn something and they're still engaged and we can talk about it when we're outside or when we're at a shop. And I don't let them watch videos of just nonsense. It, I don't find it helping their brain grow. So what's the point? Mm. You know, what, to keep them quiet? Mm-mm. And what is the age range of the kids you guys are talking about? Like, I I understand your kids are really young, and that's feasible to have them sit on your lap while you're watching. But are we talking, you know, this is affecting kids 12, 13, 17 as a kid to me. Um, you know, what are we 25. doing? <laughs> yeah. Anywhere between 4 and 15. Wow. Basically, um, YouTube has a pretty good hold on the – 13 through uh, 35 mm-hmm. crowd. Uh, so it's a little different scenario in my opinion, you know, on how to control that. That's got to be really hard as a parent. Like I think about when I was growing up and my parents and how they control what media I consumed. I think it was very easy at that time. Your dad and, had the remote control. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like in, in the late yeah. 80s, because I'm, I'm 35. So in the late 80s, it was still like, I don't think there was remote control. It was more like, oh, yeah. go change the You're channel with a little knob, five. right? And, and there were five, right? Yeah. So the amount of media I consume was a, a lot diff- uh, different than today. Like, I can't even imagine how difficult it must be as a parent to mm-hmm. try to control what your kids are consuming because it, there are hundreds of vectors that you can consume media from. Yeah. So they're going to see it. It's the conversations that you need to have with them and before and after they've seen it yeah. that make the difference with the teens, the, the tweens, the, the yeah. older kids. Even our four-year-old watching the news, she grasps. She's extremely well, sure. intelligent, but she sure. grasps things. And she'll ask why people don't like the president. I mean, she'll, mm-hmm. she asks questions. Wow. Yeah, we can't and, go down yeah. that But you know what today. I mean? She asks those things and... I just think to myself, oh, God, when she gets older, the things she's going to understand and have to navigate mm-hmm. that I didn't have to navigate until I was 30. They have exponentially more um, to navigate than we ever did. Mm-hmm. It's And you can I can see the effects on the kids. It can't be a good younger, thing. Or they'll talk about no, a shooting, I, like someone mm-hmm. shot someone. And mm-hmm. you're like, my, my four-year-old mm-hmm. just saw that. Oh, my God. It's like normalizing a bunch of really screwed up stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – and that was some of the argument of some of these weird videos is that maybe they're trying to normalize really weird stuff for kids like in, in very bad and sinister ways. Mm-hmm. It's some of the, the conspiracy theories I've seen around them. So Now, um, I'm not sure if you know. Do you know anything about gray hat hacking? Gray hat. So basically like hackers are usually either white hat or black hat, right? Either good or evil. So yeah. what's what's gray? Gray hat um, – I'll give an explanation of white, gray, and black hat. White hat is um, finding out a vulnerability and then reporting it to um, the authorities, making sure that it's correct. Black hat is finding a vulnerability and attacking it directly. (laughs) For fun and profit. For fun and profit. Um, Gray hat is... Like it's it's gray area. It could be um I think a lot of what is happening on like the YouTube Kids app is that these people who are putting up the videos that are that are getting tens of millions, hundreds of millions of views are um gray hat because it because um um they could report it to YouTube. YouTube, the 
creators of YouTube kids, the higher ups, but they probably won't listen. It's until, um, you, um, try to destroy the app from the inside that mm. it will catch attention. Like, no. It's a theory I haven't heard before. So basically, like, they're okay. trying to highlight that there's a problem and they're mm-hmm. doing so by hyperbole, like making just a terrible example of what could happen so that someone pays attention. Someone pays attention and then Gray. makes a difference. Gray is a good word it. for it yeah. because you're going to get people who are have good intention and then you're going to get the ones who also just are getting a hmm. kick out the, of it. The higher ups will see that it's out of control, and then they'll have a means to change it. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting theory. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to believe. <laughs> so you're <laughs> hoping it's not what, sinister. I see. I'm hoping it's not sinister, but there is a lot of sinister stuff in that that is happening, mm-hmm. but not. <laughs> but. <laughs> Like I said, it's more of a gray hat issue than a black hat, hmm. <laughs> in my honest opinion. Um, but no, I tend to, um, I don't um, tend to um, have apps. I don't recommend stuff like YouTube, other people. Um, in terms of kids, I'm more of a gaming person. Um and one thing that's been uh, gotten my attention and a lot of others is how um, early access for um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, how much attention that has gotten. Um, um, good friends of mine have been putting up keyboards that um, have a credit card right next to it so they can swipe because... Um, this game is a $60 game that you pay for on like the PlayStation 4 or Xbox 360 or uh, PC. And they're doing things that are called uh, microtransactions that essentially you buy a random item and over the course of um, – um, for like cosmetics or required stuff that will like exponentially boost your the characters that you want. Um, they wear makeup. One, they hmm? wear makeup. Now you got my attention. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> cosmetics. I'm just Cos- messing with you, Ian. <laughs> um, Maybe for they'll have they'll have um, they'll have Lando Calrissian. Um, Wear um, a slave Leia uniform. <laughs> I'm hmm. just joking, but <laughs> <laughs> thing you go to in Detroit where you dress up. So. Um, there are many Which things, one? but a, Which but one? A, he goes to many. But a few weeks ago, I went to That's something. Maybe what the cosmetics are for? Oh yeah, yeah. A yeah. Few and weeks the wigs. A, yeah. A few weeks ago, I went to a convention called YomaCon. Um, you can. Hey, we could. Um, that was last week's. That was last week's podcast. That was last week's podcast. If you want to go listen to episode two of the Retro Detroit Nerd Fighters, it's called Ian's. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yomacon um, memories or Ian's Yomacon memory strike back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
But no. Um, so it was reported that uh, through all the transactions that would be made, if you wanted to um, get all the collectibles, it would cost, including the game, uh, $2,160. And that's to put it mildly. <laughs> So you buy the game for 60 bucks, but if you want to unlock anything cool, it's going to cost you another $2,100. Yes. Nice. It's wow. two full 1080s. If wow. <laughs> and so the internet didn't yeah. like this, right? No. It was when EA put up a post on Reddit, it was the most downvoted Reddit post of all time <laughs> with over 675 dislikes. <laughs> and I think there was 100,000 downvotes, which is crazy. I've never seen anything downvoted like that in history. It's nuts. <laughs> it's like, we are listening to your feedback. And they changed something though, didn't they? They, were, they did something and their stock price actually took a hit. They lost oh, 3% of their stock value. Where you get their attention. Like their shareholders basically go. said that, you know, this is not good. The press is negative. This is bad. Even the CEO of Disney I read today gave a call to the CEO of EA saying that he was worried about what was going on. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I guess bad press isn't always good press. <laughs> not in this case, no. No, what they're doing is not gray hat. What they're doing is Black hat. Shameless evil um, corporation hat. Is what it is. There's a lot of um, – I listen to a lot of um, channels on YouTube mm -hmm. saying that these microtransactions are gambling. When you go to buy the game, um, just to correct all of them, when you go to buy the game, you're already paying $60. You're, it's not gambling if you're guaranteed – to lose money it's inherently <laughs> worse than that <laughs> no. so what, i mean this is not new though in games right dlc has always been a thing like downloadable content that you would pay um, for to make your game different is this just like such a big jump in or, or why is this different there's there's three types a there's three types of things that are um getting added to like base game mm -hmm. and it's called eh, it's called base game now because um um it's no longer the full game um <sighs> there's there's dlc which is um i'll give a good example there's this game called hyrule warriors hmm. that you get five new characters um five new maps and a lot of power-ups and the, and it costs around seven to eight dollars that's that's good dlc um but there are uh bad dlc is like um i'm trying to think call of duty um black ops 2 where they um um, give DLC that is $20 and it only includes one map. Mm. But that was five, six years ago. Um, one time I went to go buy that game at Target about a year and a half later and found out that I could buy all the DLC 
and the game on its own for twenty dollars. Hmm. So if you just if you just wait for the game to um um if you wait for even a little while, they'll significantly decrease the price. So it's just that it's kind of like the hype train makes it so it's going to be at this incredibly high level. <laughs> so you're saying wait for this EA game to come out, sit for two years, and then buy it for only yeah. $1,080? <laughs> no, no. 50% off. No, more of like... $50. As demand goes down. Yeah, but they're not doing that, though. You know, when these games come out, they know it's the kids who want them and they can't wait to get home and they line up outside the GameStops to buy them that day. And it's like anything, though, when you wait and nobody cares about it anymore. It's cheap. Just go over to your friend's house and play. (laughs) (laughs) I should have to host a fundraiser at my house if I want to do that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, go go fund me to play this game at Nuri's house. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me the odds, though. <laughs> We're talking Star Wars. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. <laughs> oh, so there's DLC. There's the season pass, which is not a season pass because it's not like – the season pass is not like for a season like fall or winter. It's just a season pass. Air it's, quotes. <laughs> I don't get the um, wording on why that is to be. It's, um, season passes are an extension to the already game. Say, for instance, um, one that does it fairly well is one called Killer Instinct, hmm. where you get um, um, 10 new characters, um, 10 new maps, and it expands on the core gameplay while others like star wars battlefront you pay 60 dollars for the game and then the season passes 50 dollars and so and when you uh, the season pass is actually kind of required because there's a lot of bugs to the beginning game Mm. (laughs) and then there's the worst of all, the microtransactions, which is just, like I said, cosmetics and just add to the gameplay a little bit uh, on a micro level. So you spend a dollar and you get a new helmet or – You spend $5 and you get a new helmet. <laughs> um, somebody yeah. – I um, – a source from a place called IGN. Mm-hmm. They um, gave a hundred dollars to one of their reporters, and that only eh. there are two characters in there that are like hyped within uh, Star Wars. Um, 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 Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. They're the most hyped up characters in all Star Wars and they put a hundred dollars in to try and unlock Darth Vader and it only got them halfway there. What's half a Darth Vader? Half a Darth Vader is no Darth Vader at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I know you find my lack of faith disturbing, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, um, 
EA has um, really done a number to their customers, and um, I'm very much saddened by um, how much they just don't care. Do you think we'll change anything? Is this backlash going to make anything better? or? Um, I think so. I mean, as a company, they're going to, um, they're going to have to, um, limit how much they do that because this really is, um, really is going to do a number to them (laughs) and their fan base because it, it, um, the fan base is what will keep them going. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think the stock price got their attention. Now you just have to go forward from there. Once a company starts losing their, uh, what am I trying to say? Their, their net worth. Um, and shareholder have, confidence, right? Yeah. Now yeah. you have their attention. Now people have to go forward with this and say, we're not going to take this. We're not. Yeah. The minute you get the shareholders involved, mm-hmm. all. Heck breaks loose. So we have high hopes, Ian. I <laughs> EA has been known to do a lot of stuff like this. So I do. F- this is just a temporary kind of setback for them. <laughs> until they figure <laughs> out another way to get more money out of these. Until they find gamers. another um, evil. Um, Way to um, get people's money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of disabling, isn't it? Um, Only having half a Darth Vader. (laughs) I I imagine like a disembodied torso of Darth Vader walking around, but it's just, it's probably not the way it works. It's a silhouette of Kylo Ren. (laughs) (laughs) I I will bring you back. That's that's a good joke, actually. It's a really good joke. I know nothing about Star Wars. Nothing. (laughs) I will bring you back. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it is kind of. Disabling, isn't it? Right. Hmm. And um, speaking of um, disabled, I wanted to get a little bit more into um, why we're uh, less about games and less about the YouTube and more about how um, um, focusing on. Um, Communication, correct, Mary? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a good segue. That's a really it's a good, good segue. <laughs> You've had two good segues today, actually. I like Thank it. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, no. Um, so. Um, um, Kathy, tell us a little bit about um a little bit about what you know about um working and volunteering within like mental um okay. health issues. And with mental disabilities and mental health. Um I grew up my whole life being around mentally disabled or physically disabled people. Um when I was ten years old, my mother started driving a bus for Servicar. She then graduated to working into uh a school with uh, 
you know, the people who were dropped off by the Serva car bus with the, the special ed, I think they called it at the time. She went on to work for MORC. She worked for JVS. For the last 30 years of her um, working life, she had a group home. Hmm. So That's my awesome. literally my entire life I've been around mentally disabled or mentally handicapped or physically handicapped. Um, I'm, I'm in my 50s. So years ago when she started, um, mental health was shunned so much more than it is now that actually one of the gentlemen that she had in her group home was not even mentally handicapped. He just started showing signs as a youth that he might be. And his parents stuck him in an institution. So um, he was beaten and mistreated and he was disfigured and he guarded his food while he ate it. But the, the man never had any real um, deficiencies at all. So um, just just my whole life I've grown up volunteering. I used to volunteer for Special Olympics. When I was a kid, we um, used to keep score when they took him to the bowling alley. Back then they didn't have automatic scores. Yeah. Um I've done volunteering with with camps and they would come to our house for the holidays because not every family picks up their um son or daughter from a group home. So anybody who didn't get picked up would come to our house for the holidays. So pretty much just my entire life I've been around um disabled people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um um do you see um are they any much different than just the regular person, or is it just? Um, I think, no, they're not different. You know, most of them are not different than the regular people. I don't want to generalize or, um, you know, because now things are so particular on how they have to be stated. But I think the more um, mainstream that you treat someone, the more mainstream they behave. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are some with more severe disabilities who have a little more trouble understanding things or physical disabilities getting around. But for the most part, um, some of the most genuine, kind, um, intelligent people I've ever known in my life were considered handicapped or disabled. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah, I am. Um, there's a lot of. Um a lot of misconception with um, people with like a handicap or a disability, whether it be mental or physical. Um, I um, have a friend who said that within management, you always have to, um, it's all about being able to take on those headaches and being able to make good or the right decisions in that field. And it's the same thing with uh, having a disability, but it's more of an internal thing. So um, um, kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is try and give more understanding to how those two things are very much similar. Um, it's like um, friend, I have friends who um, I have a friend who um, was a boxer and he um, had a close head injury. Um, he's a good guy, but um, it's kind of stopped him from, from keeping a job he can always um go to the job within uh, um do well on the interview but then he's gone within six to seven months mm-hmm. yeah. it's 
Yeah, a lot of times it's that hidden disability that gets you. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many levels of disability. There's, you know, people who are who are institutionalized and need that level of support. And then there's people who maybe need their parents for the entire duration of their life, but they can function out in the community doing some things, volunteering or whatnot. But then you have the everyday people who are at work and they do have a disability. But you don't really want to look at it as a disability because it so many people are ignorant to what that actually means. You say, I have a challenge or, you know, I just have this thing because everybody's mm-hmm. got a thing, you know. So you just normalize it just in how you describe it on the work site. Out in the community, I mean, you, you've got such a wide array of what's going on in the world that you've got to use more specific terms. But especially in what I do, helping people at the job. I just talk about it as like a thing. Well, before the show, we were talking about depression. And I, I think I didn't have a lot of exposure to depression growing up in you know, 80s, 90s. It wasn't a thing we talked about much. Nope. And then uh, when someone very close to me was diagnosed with very serious depression, I started you know, reaching out to my community for help and support. And it turns out that pretty much a large majority of people I know have depression or some kind of depression-related uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a disease. It is. And people don't treat it as such. And it's like, I mean, we see somebody who's sick, we give them love. You know, we see someone who's lost a limb, we give them love. But things with d- depression, I think it's harder for people to, I mean, people are A, I think ashamed to talk about it. And B, it's not on their sleeve. Yep. And I, it's just, it's a really hard mm-hmm. topic to think about. But with, most of my friends have some type of depression. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it is is part of your brain, like one part doesn't communicate well with the other part and it's just neurons and mm-hmm. whatnot. And the medication, just like if you had diabetes, changes the way your blood sugar works or how you, insulin, whatever. The same happens in your brain with depression. So anxiety, bipolar, all of it. it it's a disease. It's not just in your head. But we don't think about it like some that, right? People, some people want to say I have something and they actually don't. They just don't want to. And that poisons the well. For the people who are trying and just need, you know, a dose of something to. But we don't we don't see it that way though, right? We nope. see people like, oh, you're taking antidepressants. Oh, are you that's shoot us? that's that's like the stigma that exists, right? But would you say the same thing to someone taking antibiotics? Nope. No, absolutely not. It's like I know somebody who just keeps working and working and working. He um, has autism, and it's like bringing that to light. This person. Loves to work, can't stand to be bored. <laughs> I don't know anyone like that, Ian. <laughs> I, me neither. <laughs> uh, nobody with autism can take sarcasm. I know that for a fact. <laughs> oh. It's my it's my favorite population to work with. Oh, they're just awesome people that are just sometimes misunderstood. You mean sarcastic, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> but you say doesn't like to be bored, likes to work. Like that's mm-hmm. just like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we all want to do something, yep. do something constructive, have a work product to show for what we've done. It's just your brain may work a little differently, and that's totally okay. In fact, it may even be a good thing yeah. in some jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. To have you know ability to see pathways and numbers and and relationships that uh, someone with what would be considered a normative brain would not understand, yeah. right? That may make you really good at IT or make you really, I mean. Yeah, makes you good at a lot of things. Yeah. Details matter. Yeah. You know, and that's when I help with accommodations on the job site, that's one of the main things I talk about is 
how this person is going to actually benefit you. You know, ignore the fact that they sound pretentious. Ignore the fact that, you know, their face doesn't match up to what they're saying. They're cool. They're fine. They get it. Just roll with it. Hmm. They will help you exponentially. And the last guy that I helped, he went from being a CNC machinist. That's what he was hired to do. And now he's researching patents to help the company go from plastics to, like, electric cars and exploring the patents from Tesla. Like, are you kidding me? That was, like, within the first week. They harnessed his energy because they've been working with me for so long. They know I know what I'm doing in that realm. And boom, he was immediately in their quality control department doing research, giving presentations. And yeah, he's on the spectrum. I think I missed the what do you do part. Like, so you work with people who have different abilities right. and place them? Yep. So the state pays me to do that. And I used to work for the state as a vocational rehab counselor. Hmm. So I'd help the person who came to me figure out what they could do. And then I'd give them to another agency that is a contractor. And they would place them like a JVS and New Horizons who do great work. But there are certain pockets of people that are very, very difficult to place because they're so high functioning. It's like, how do you, how do you talk to an employer about a person who wants to be a manager? Why can't they do that? You know, like that's the misconception mm. with the employer. And so you have to have someone with a very specialized set of skills. And I realized I had that. So I jumped out of my job at the state and started my own company. And so when I do these things for people, sometimes it's like the low functioning folks who like are, we're not even sure if they can work and we find a job where they can. And maybe it's only 10 hours a week, but whatever you imagine the look on their face. If you said, well, it's only 10 hours a week. Yeah, we can't help you. Like what? No. So they get their 10 hour a week and they're walking with their head higher than you've ever seen. Because they've probably been turned down by lots of employers previously. And it's like, yep, you just got this job. Like, I did it. I got my job. Like, that's that's a good feeling I'm for anybody, adult. right? Yeah. I'm on my way. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. I can't read, but I'm on my way. Like, that's. <sighs> it's a first step. Yes. Um, uh, what I do is listen to men without hats. You can dance if you want to. <laughs> you can leave your friends behind. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, problems with the um, like companies today not being able to uh, employers not being able to understand um, like people with anxiety or people with a. Uh, um, with um, an invisible disability, or as I like to call it, a divisibility. <laughs> it's not not the smartest, but still. <laughs> yeah, the invisible disabilities are the hardest because you you don't have to disclose, and you really shouldn't if it's not going to impact you, like on the job or with peers. You know. Because people do judge you. They judge you on, you know, how long your hair is or, you know, the clothes you're wearing. I mean, the minute we look at someone, we judge them. And so when you start to talk about things that are really deep and the person's, like, not there yet with you, like, it's off. And so, like, not talking about it up front is a good thing sometimes. 
because you create that confusion and misconception. And what if that person is like completely biased and has had bad experiences? Would you say it creates divisibility? It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. See, Ian's always like five steps ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ever playing you and Chessie and never. I know. <laughs> he worked you with have... me. He worked with me. And yeah. I was like, we'd work and he would be five steps ahead of me. Okay, you need to do this. <laughs> oh, for the love of God, Ian, let me finish my task. Ian's like, you lost after your first move, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> you have um, you have nothing to worry with me about chess. No? I assure you. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a friend who, if we all played together, we wouldn't stand a chance against him. Wow. <laughs> no. Um, that sounds like a challenge to me. <laughs> uh, challenge accepted? <laughs> Uh, how long how many chances do we get um a hundred (laughs) (laughs) i first need to learn chess yeah me too i know which way things move that's about it (laughs) so what would you say then like if for advice for people then who are uh in a job and struggling with their invisible disability like how when is it time to talk to your employer about that when do you tell your boss or like when do you do it in an interview or do you Like, when's the right time to talk about it, if at all? So if you need an accommodation, like if you know going into it, you're going to need like a job coach or instructions in writing because you have an auditory processing disorder, a visual processing disorder. So you have to have it auditorily. Then you talk about it Hmm. because the employer doesn't have to give you an accommodation if you don't give them a why. You have to give a why. You don't have to give the diagnosis. You have to give them a why. Hmm. And as long as they understand it, then they can give you a reasonable accommodation. The question on an application isn't, do you have a disability? It says, can you do the job with or without reasonable accommodation? So either way, the answer is yes. You don't have to talk about it. There's no conversation that has to happen until you get to that interview. And then you say, yeah, I can do this job. I will need things, you know, in writing so that I can review them to jog my memory, you know, or to study because I sometimes needed extra time to learn things. You make it very normalized in your statement. And, and as a manager, I would totally be happy to do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's absolutely – what do you define as reasonable accommodation though? Like, It's all within the scope of the company's ability. My company has a few employees. My husband and I run it. And so we have the capacity to do what we want. Like we can – accommodate someone to the nth degree but maybe like a mom and pop shop that's very fast turnover fast paced maybe they can't maybe they need a person who can do every element of the job and Mm -hmm. you know they could reach out to the state that agency that pays me and the state can do the accommodation but if that still doesn't help that person function on the job and do all the essential job functions then it's not a good fit and that's okay Hmm. You know, like there are so many different types of accounting jobs, you know, just going and being an accountant. Maybe you're not cut out for that, but maybe you're cut out for like processing payroll or checking invoices, you know, something within the scope. So you have to figure out what you can and cannot, you know, and where it fits. Hmm. But then you've got like the Myers and the Krogers of the world who are huge conglomerates. And yes, they can accommodate. And they're very open to it. They are extremely open to it. I job coach at Myers and Kroger and you know, companies like that all the time. And they don't they don't care if there's a job coach. They're like, Cool, tell me how he's doing. 
okay, you know, or they'll call me. Hey, you know, he doesn't have an open case with the state, but can you facilitate, please? Because he's going to lose his job next week if he gets one more complaint. The eggs were squished. <laughs> <laughs> they don't yeah. squish very well, do they? No. 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 Yeah. When you watch, you show up to job coach and you watch him like draining a green pepper like a, he's an NBA all-star. You're like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> good time. <laughs> Yeah, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, <laughs> um, no, my only reasonable accommodation is coffee, and I'll pay for that myself. <laughs> Thank you. I tell people that I can't make my coffee until I've had my coffee. It's like one of those things. I get it. I get it. I set it up the night before. See, I'm all about helping you accommodate yourself. Put it on and set the timer. It's yeah. 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 So yeah, um, that is um, it for this episode. My name is Ian. We're here with again, Nuri. Where can we find you? All over the place. Uh, I'm on the IT and the D show Monday nights at nine o'clock. Syndication on SoundCloud or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yay. Um, Kathy, where are you? We. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hostile host. She, no, she tends to stay covert. That's why I say that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not covert. I just do not have uh, Facebook. I never had uh, Twitter. I am just not. I I like to live in the physical world mm-hmm. as opposed to the ditto. Yeah. So uh, if you want to find Kathy, just um, find me at Twitter at Ianformed. Uh, uh, Bridget, where can we find you? Uh, Benton Employment Solutions, www.bentonemployment.com. Okay. We're in Novi. Um, Dave, we will see you wherever fine podcasts are. Yeah, I'm not that hard to find. It's, and, and, yeah, that's been made abundantly clear over and over and over again. People find me. Whether or not you want to be found. Exactly. Yes. Especially when I don't want to be found, people find me. Yeah. Yes. Me too. All right. Thank you. And um, thank you for listening.